Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be back with all of our listeners again today, and what a blessing it is to be able to come together over the radio each day and open up God's Word, dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more as we study right there from the Scriptures. What a blessing it is that we have the freedom to be able to, be able to do this in this country. It's not that way everywhere in the world. And how blessed we are to be able to have such ready access to the Bible. People can have a Bible if they want one. Now, some people might say, well, you don't understand. I don't have the money. I'm homeless. Well, somebody will give you a Bible, even if you're homeless. If you'll just ask, people will give you a Bible for free. And we give away, oh, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of Bibles at Sunny Slope Church of Christ over the years because we want to get God's Word out there. We want people to have access to the Scriptures. And that's part of what this program is, to teach the Bible to people, to help them understand it more fully, and to be able to understand it more understandably. A lot of people, they open up the Scriptures and they say, you know, I've read, but I really don't understand what I'm reading. Well, probably because you're going about it in a way that is not very conducive to really understanding what the Word says. We want to help you understand. We do dig deep. We look at it in detail. But we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your life. We help you understand context and setting and who's speaking and who's being spoken to and what the meaning of the text is. We try to get across what God is really trying to tell us in his word here on Search the Scriptures. So we hope that you are learning, and as you learn more and more from God's word, your faith should be growing deeper and stronger because the biblical formula for the development of faith is found in Romans 10 and verse 17. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we want to help you hear the word of God through the scriptures. We want to help you grow your faith. And as your faith grows, you should then come to a point where you say, I want to walk with God. I want to be with God. I want to live with him forever in, in, in heaven. And that is achieved. That particular goal is reached as you come to him through his son, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of your sins. And as you do that, you are reborn spiritually. You are made new. You are forgiven. You are given a new start, a second chance. God is waiting for you to come to him, and we want to help you take that walk. At the end of the program today, as we always do, we'll give you the opportunity to contact us and ask for a free Bible study. The Bible study is free. We send it out all over the country. We've sent out uh, hundreds, perhaps thousands of copies by this time. We've been doing this for many, many years. And it'll teach you the basics of how to become a Christian, how to walk with God, how to be forgiven, how to be saved, how to live the Christian life, and how to be assured of an eternal home with God in heaven. Again, the study is free. We'll even take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. And at the end of the program, we'll give you that information as to how you can contact us. Jot it down and then contact us. Ask for that free study. You can also have a copy of today's program on, on CD for free. Again, 
we'll take care of the postage. So just for the asking. I want to encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down and you'll see how you can enroll in our podcasting. And you can receive all of the radio programs and all of the sermons from Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha for free. They'll go right to your smartphone or your laptop or your computer or whatever device you want to receive them on and they will come automatically every week. And again, they're free. So you can have ready access to them. I know a lot of people listen to the program very frequently, but they may not be able to listen every day because they've got work schedules or something else is going on in their lives. But by enrolling in our podcasting, that gives you the opportunity to be able to pick up whatever you've missed anytime it's convenient for you. So do that. And again, it's free and it will always be free. Now we're going to get back to our study in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is a very important study because I've really tried to emphasize our marriages in this country are in crisis. So many marriages have failed. And also so many people have, they've just opted out of marriage altogether. And that's a big mistake. And so we have very dysfunctional homes raising children without really understanding what it is to be a mommy or a daddy with the full nuclear family household right there together because they're being raised up in single parent homes. And that's not saying that that one single parent who is raising them may not be doing the best job they can do, but it's simply saying it's an incomplete setting. And so young boys are growing up not knowing what it is to be a husband or even a daddy or even a man completely. And young women are growing up not knowing how to be that full woman and wife and mother because they don't have that full nuclear family setting in their household. So they're growing up handicapped. And then statistically, they end up going into the same kind of situation in which they grew up. Single parent homes, making mistakes, and having to raise children by themselves. Well, we've got to turn the corner. We've got to come back to how God designed marriage. And when we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's a great place for us to look and see, this is the kind of love that I need to have for my husband. This is the kind of love I need to have for my wife. And if you will embody and exhibit consistently this kind of love for your spouse, then your marriage is going to be great. And almost guaranteed it will not fail. Now, that's not saying there won't be some bumps along the way, some difficulties along the way, but I'm talking about the quality of your marriage will last. It will be fulfilled and your marriage will be sustained. You'll stay together. You'll have a great marriage. Now, because we're talking about a special kind of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and that love is agape love. It is the highest form of love expressed in the Greek language. And unfortunately, we don't have a word equivalent to it to translate it into in our English language. We just have love. But when you look at it and you understand, okay, this is not just, I love 
my favorite sports team. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, yeah, I love my mom and dad, too. Oh, yeah, and I love my husband. I love my wife. You see, we've got one word. But this is a love that is of high quality. It is a love that is not based primarily upon or driven primarily by emotion. But it is a love of determination. I will love you. Yes, I have emotional desires to be your wife, to be your husband. But I have made up my mind it's not going to be just emotion because emotions come and go. They, they grow and they wane. I'm going to love you no matter what. Now, that's this kind of love. Agape love is not based on the worthiness of the one loved, but on the determination within the heart of the one doing the loving. Agape love cannot be earned. It's freely given. It's unconditional, and it quietly hangs in there and does what needs to be done no matter what. This kind of love does not, is not a love that you fall into or fall out of. That's more emotion. But this kind of love is one in which you have made up your mind to love your husband, to love your wife, no matter what. It's not just a lot of show. It's not ostentatious or flamboyant. It's not just an outward expression meant to impress somebody. No, this love is determined. It's deep. It's abiding. It says, no matter what happens, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to love you. Even if you stop loving me and you're mean to me, I'm going to love you anyway. I will not give up on loving you. Now, we've looked already at 10 of the qualities that the Apostle Paul listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through the beginning of verse 8. There are 16 qualities he listed. We've looked at 10 of them already. Love suffers long, that is, it is enduring. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, and that's the idea of flaunting oneself and bragging about oneself. Love is not puffed up with ungodly pride or arrogance. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity or sinfulness or ungodliness. Now, number 11, love rejoices in the truth, rejoices as the truth, and particularly the truth communicated to us through God's word prevails and triumphs. Think how important it is to be able to trust someone to always tell you the truth and to always be sure that whatever this person, and particularly we're talking about your husband or your wife, however they act toward you, whatever they say to you, that's the truth. They're living a truthful lifestyle before you. And when they say they love you with all their heart, that's, that's the truth. They mean that. In Second John, chapter 1, and there's only one chapter in that short letter, but Second John chapter 1, verse 4, John says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. He comes back to this theme in 3 John, again, very short one-chapter letter, and in 3 John chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, he says, for I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
we teach our children to not lie. And if they do lie and we find out about it, we punish them for that, don't we? And rightly so, because we want them to be people of integrity. We want to be able to trust them when they tell us something, and we want people around them who associate with them, and that would go on to teachers and schoolmates and so on, and friends and other family members. We want them to be able to trust that when they say something, they're saying the truth. They're telling the truth. We need to live in truth. And nowhere is that more critical in a human relationship than between husband and wife. You need to have confidence. You need to have your mind at ease that your husband really loves you and cares about you and will take care of you. And the same goes for the wife, that she really loves you and that she will be there to support you and do whatever she can to care for you. You need to be able to wake up in the morning and not even have it cross your mind, I wonder if he loves me. I wonder if she loves me. I wonder if I can trust her. I wonder if I can trust him. But you simply know without even thinking about it. It's a settled matter in your mind. He loves me. She loves me. She doesn't just say it. I know that's the truth because of the way he treats me, because of the way she cares for me rejoices in the truth. In Proverbs 31, in verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman, a virtuous wife, for her worth is far above rubies. Far above rubies. Why? Because she's virtuous. And what is at at the center of virtue? Truthfulness, integrity. When Jesus was teaching in John chapter 8 and verse 32, he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, what is that truth? We've emphasized it over and over and over and over again here in the program. It is God's word. On the night of his betrayal in John chapter 17 and verse 17, he's praying to the father and he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so we really need to gravitate our lives to the truth of God's word. And real deep love, agape love, will rejoice in that truth. A husband will rejoice in his wife living a godly life before him and their children. A wife will rejoice in her husband living in godliness and presenting that godly example before herself and their children. The next one is love bears all things. And this is probably the idea of patient endurance, of not giving up. Now, again, there are all kinds of challenges that face marriage, that face a married couple. And they're not just that they don't get along, but one of you might get sick. One of you might get injured. One of you might lose a job. You might be in really tough straits economically. One of your children might get gravely ill, and so you have to put out a lot of money to take care of them medically, but also you have to expend a lot of time and energy to take care of that child or to take care of your husband or your wife. Sometimes one of you might just be down, really down. You may be struggling with something in your life and may have a hard time figuring out exactly what it is, but the husband or the wife, they're there for you. They're supportive of you. They're encouraging. They're not going to give up. 
In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul wrote, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, when one is down, when one is struggling in some way, one is sick, or one is injured, whatever it might be, the other spouse, they just pick up the slack. It's a natural kind of thing. And it's not that they resent it, but they realize, no, this is what I need to do. This is just the way it is. And I need to be that supportive, helping husband or wife in this situation as long as it takes. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Peter wrote, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. If one of you is struggling, well, the other one doesn't hold that against them. You don't put them down over it. You don't huff and puff every time you have to go get something for them because they can't get up and get it themselves, or every time you have to give them an encouraging word because they're so down in the dumps over something that's going on in their life. No, you just do it, and you love them anyway. Now, will that wear on you some to some extent? It Probably, if it's protracted, if it goes on and on for a while, but that does not take away from the fact that you love them and you will continue to carry on do what needs to be done no matter what. How many loving spouses take care of their dying spouse over a long period of time? They know that they're in bad shape. They ultimately receive the word from the medical professionals and say, there's nothing else we can do. Well, they don't walk away from their husband. They don't walk away from their spouse. They don't give up. They don't leave them on their own. They take care of them to the very end, and they love them all the way. See, that's what marriage is really supposed to be. In Proverbs chapter 10, in verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. And so a truly loving spouse, out of love and a Christian example, will bear much that is less than ideal in the present, for the ultimate fulfillment of his or her marriage down the road. And ultimately, that promise that they will, because they've lived a faithful life before God, because they've lived in godliness, that they'll have that eternal home with the Father in heaven. Marriage is not a sprint. Marriage is a marathon. So love bears all things. And then next, love believes all things. The kind of love we're talking about, agape love, believes all the good possible for as long as possible. Don't ever have doubt about your husband or wife unless they've really given given you an absolute reason to doubt them over something. But rather, show them that you love them. Don't harbor doubt. You know, I remember a friend of mine, and he was really quite a mentor of mine early in my preaching life. And he was talking about his relationship with his wife, very loving, very deep, and they've been married well over 50 years now. But he said early in their relationship, he said she was jealous of him. And so he told her, you don't trust me. 
And her response was, I believe, well, yes, I trust you. But he said, no, you don't trust me. If you're jealous, you don't trust me. That's a lack of trust. Well, you never need to have that lack of trust. You need to never just imagine it or, or just assume it just because you see your husband do something or your wife do something. You say, well, that must be something out of line. No, because you trust them automatically. You love them that deeply. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul wrote, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to believe in your husband. You need to believe in your wife and not just harbor a lot of doubts about them and always be throwing things up in their face. Your doubts, your fears, your distrust, unless they're living a lifestyle that is obvious in presenting those kinds of situations before you. But just kind of imagining it in your mind, you need to let that go. You need to not let that have a place in your heart. You need to believe in that person you're married to. And you need to believe in that person on an ongoing basis, and they will see your belief in them, your trust in them, and they will reciprocate that back toward you. In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 18, John wrote, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You need to get that fear out of your life. The fear that you can't trust your spouse. Let that go. Our time is just about up today, so we're going to have to stop here and park. And we'll come back and we'll pretty much finish this study next time. I do hope you'll write down that information to contact us and you will follow through. We want to hear from you right away.